All right, folks, this show is sponsored by Anchor. A while back, we switched over to Anchor as our hosting platform for Panel to Panel. And to be honest, it's actually been one of the best experiences we've had when it comes to hosting our podcast. A lot of people think making a podcast is super difficult, but Anchor actually allows you to record and edit your podcast all on your phone if that's what you want to do. Anchor even helps you get your podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other places like that. That way you can get your podcast to a wide audience of different people. And the best part about it, it's totally free. So go ahead, check out Anchor.fm, or download the Anchor app on your phone or through the App Store or the Google Play Store and check it out today. Now let's turn the page and get to this week's episode of Panel to Panel. What's going on, good people of the internet? It's time for OnComicsGrounds.com's flagship podcast, Panel to Panel, where a bunch of folks shoot the breeze and talk about comic books and such. We are back once again, once again. Happy New Year, good folks. We are on the the, the, the verge of the second month of the year after all of the things and such that have been occurring in the world. We are finally back with episode 51 of this amazing podcast that we do uh, weekly, bi-weekly, whenever we can. We're, we're trying to get back on a schedule. But we are in the year 2021, and the the, the future state known as DC has finally arrived. Uh, had said previously on multiple other episodes that we were going to talk about DC future state once the first month concluded. And we will come back to talk about the second month once uh, month two is over. But we are here talking about what we have now is, I think, the consensus off mic was a mess. That that's that that that's that's what I, I I've gathered from from the uh behind the mic conversation. So we're gonna go ahead and dig right into it. Don't forget to leave and listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, all those great places, except for SoundCloud because we don't we don't support SoundCloud around here. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at PTP underscore podcast, and you can check out the website on dash comics dash ground dot com for all your amazing reviews, previews, solicitations, all that great stuff. And you can follow the website on Twitter at OnComicsGround. Um, my name is James Portis. Um, I'm ready to rip some of these books in two, but also, you know, just kind of put a couple other ones in the long box and say, you did a good job, but, like, I don't know yet. Um, to my left, we have the man with the afro that just keeps going to the point he gonna have, like, the curliest, like, like giant cape flowing from the head soon. Uh, and it's cramming at the last minute, as he always does. We have Travis Tucker. How you doing today? Uh, pretty good. This uh, dark detective has got me raising my eyebrows, but uh, pretty good. <laughs> All right. Um, and then to my right, we have the woman who is currently protesting the viewing of WandaVision and, and is enjoying her new mic setup. We have Mary. How you doing this evening? I'm okay. Sorry. <clears throat> I'm uh, being completely professional and eating. Um, 
So yeah, no, I'm I'm fine, and I have a little. 3D printed bust of Sappho that James is absolutely sick of me talking about, but I'm still what, what, I'm excited. Where, what, what, where does this come from? First you said I like you eat it, now you're saying I'm hitting on the Sappho thing. <laughs> I'm so confused. Oh, because man. I've been talking about it since I got it. No, bro, that's, that's awesome. I'm proud of you. Good shit. Like, like, I was talking about how I wanted to get you the new freaking Funko Chainsaw Wonder Woman thing today, like, and you ignored me on Twitter, which I'm very sad about. But regardless, um, we actually have ourselves a returning guest. Not here uh, pimping her amazing uh, Kickstarter this time. We have her uh, with her comic book knowledge in tow as a journalist, as a YouTuber. We have Comic Uno, Kat Calamia with us this evening. How are you doing tonight? I need to talk about all these books. I'm prepared. So I, I want to see what differences or, or uh, similarities we have with them. Excellent. Excellent. Um, we are just going to go ahead and dive straight into this. So I think the one of note that everyone has been waiting for, has been anticipating, which is Future State Next Batman written by John Ridley, the one that was really like anticipated because he had written comic books before. He's a very famous writer for his work in different, different mediums. And I gotta say, I don't know how I feel about it. Like, it was it was the first one that they were hyping up, like, yeah, Black Batman, we're going to hit it hard. Like, it may be Luke, it may be somebody else, but we don't, we're going to go with it anyway. And then it ended up being Tim Fox of old Batman comic fame. And I, I, I am not really on, like, excitement levels about this, you would think, as the dude who's constantly wanting more black culture in comic books. I would be ecstatic about this, but the book felt very slow, and it feels like John has so much more to tell with this series, but is being locked behind this box, and it's never gonna escape this box now. And I, I, I it feels like it should have been an Elseworlds out the gate, and the fact that we're only getting a handful of issues just has me like, ugh. Um. It was very kind of sucks because it, you know Tim Fox, like you said, was kind of a hyped character, and I think it's hard because you have so many pages of the book, and because you have these backup stories, and just like I wish it took the time to tell the the actual main story with all these pages because we'd get so much more with Tim. Uh, I hope the miniseries because they have a digital miniseries coming out that's also going to be printed, which I'll probably get it printed. Uh, I hope they flesh it out because I think there's such a rich story to tell with the family. And I feel like that was promised. It was just like, okay, this is going to be a story about the Fox family. And we haven't really seen those relationships at all. Um, and yeah, I've been, been disappointed. But I love the Batgirls backup. That was really great. And I hope we get to see more Steph and Cassandra. See, that, that backup, I... I thought it was going to be something totally different, and I, I was kind of let down by that one specifically, because it ended up being this weird prison thing, and then, like, you had random different villains and heroes, and they're like, Jimmy Olsen's in prison, Beast Boy's in prison, even though he's supposed to be in the Titans book as Psy Beast or whatever, and I'm like, what, what, what? Well, it, it it gave me more of a headache than it was enjoyable, and I, I think the Batgirls one specifically just had me like, And we'll get into that, I'm sure, with the future state stuff in general. Well, I, I, um, 
I read the story, only some of the story, half the story a couple months ago for an interview. And I remember really, you know, reading it and being like, oh my God, Stephanie's like out of character. I don't know how to feel about this. And then reading the whole thing, I'm like, oh, that was the point. And I think from like a Stephanie super fan, like I really enjoyed her, the, the journey of that. But I, I could definitely get from a plot perspective of what you were saying of like, mm -hmm. okay, kind of mishmash, but I like seeing Barbara. I thought that was pretty cool. And I think because like the bar was so low at the point of all the other future state books, like, oh, I like, I enjoyed this from like a character perspective where the other future state books, like I feel like there's not a lot of character in 90% of them, sadly. Yeah. And it's like, especially with the first um, Batman future state book, you have like this kind of interesting story they rush you into where the, there's these two little boys that are like part of the Bane gang and they're told to wear a mask and do this horrible thing. It just, it felt, it feels like there's a lot of conflicting narratives going on. And then you move into the like black lightning outsiders book with Katana and Katana like is trying to save people from the magistrate and Duke's like driving a car. It just, there's so many like people in in it, it feels like that one episode of SpongeBob where everybody like, like all the SpongeBob clones are running around the office and everything's on fire. It's like there's one story over here, one story's over here, and it doesn't feel coherent. And I think that's what bothers me is there's so many different people trying to tell different stories and there's not enough time to do it. Let's say, like, like, like I, I figured, like, because I know Mary, you and I talked about this too, where it's like especially the Wonder Woman one that I know we'll get into um, the Immortal where you have one really good story with Diana and then the newbie one's just over here like hey I got something going on and it's like what? Did we lose Mary? No 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 I'm here I'm still I'm, I was just listening um, oh, circling okay. back to the Batgirl side story, I just realized what it reminded me of. Do you remember that very weird um, period in the X-Men before Dawn of X when I think it was Vita Ayala wrote um, Prisoner X? Mm -hmm. Where you had like Danny Moonstar, Gabby, they're all in prison. Mm -hmm. That's what this felt like. It was, it had a really cool setup, but I just... The, the script was really kind of flat. Like the whole thing fell flat for me. Yeah. And, you know, th the setup doesn't make sense. And I get that, you know, they're all supposed to take place over, you know, different points in time, but I'm like 90% certain this is all supposed to be in the same universe. Yeah. So and it's if like you have the, you have the outsiders book, the next Batman book, the Nightwing book, the Batgirl story, the Robin Eternal, and um, Bruce's book all taking place in this, like, the magistrate Arkham City-style environment where someone's controlling Gotham. And I, I, I... And it's also another portion of this where it feels like how we speculated before on a previous episode where obviously the Dio and, and some people had a really good story to tell with the magistrate and the things, but in a month, no one's going to care about this character. We don't know what, who they are, what they do. Like even in the, um, the second, uh, next Batman story, it talked in the Nightwing one, it talks about two other generals that are more in charge and we don't even care about the magistrate. So I, I feel like there's a lack of cohesion here. 
And that is... Larry? Did we lose? Oh, I thought that was just me for a second. No, no, I thought maybe we lost Larry. Am I, am I still here? Yeah, now you're here. <laughs> I, I, for, I forgot to push the button. <clears throat> I'm on push to talk and I just forgot to push the button. Um, I'm fine. But, <laughs> and th- this is a sentence that's going to be very awkward for me to say, is that that is where I do give Dan DiDio some credit. Emphasis Ooh. on the word some. Ooh. There was always an overarching narrative. You know, a lot of, you know, sometimes the narrative just wasn't good, but at least there was a narrative that things tied into. I felt like with a lot of these future state books, and, you know, I think I said before we started recording that I had a lot to say for the overall execution, is that it just seems like, you know, you threw a handful of pebbles into, you know, a puddle of water and you've got all these different little these little ripples going out and it was just i don't know there was nothing tying these stories together and particularly the gotham based books i was reading them well as many as i got through and i'm realizing that you know what's going through my head is why am i supposed to care Ooh. because i just i did books right <laughs> yeah yeah I agree. I think some of them you're just like thrown into a plot where you're like, whoa. What? It felt like all of us here read comics for a very long time, but it felt like I was a new reader and have never read a comic before and I was in the middle of an arc. I'm like, whoa, what is this? What's this world? And and that's for everybody because like, are, like what are you throwing us into? And, and I agree with like the villain. There's no explanation of the magistrate at all. It's like, why should we care? It just, there's very few stories, which I'm sure we'll get into, that actually, like, yeah. have a character arc. It just, like, it, it does feel all over the place. And I do feel like this was a buffer two months for them to actually do what they wanted to in March and figure out, okay, this is where we want the DC Universe to go. But we, this was also in line of before Jan Didio left and, like, I guess the 5G stuff it was, like, maybe halfway done. And now that's why we have this and, and it, it, it kind of shows i feel like it, it wasn't fully fleshed uh, fleshed out yeah and it's like even from week one because you have like a, a small chunk of the the, the, the the new batman stuff with the magistrate then you have like wonder woman which felt like a breath of fresh air in like a new element that was like hey this is a new character this is a like something that's that some people at DC are passionate about. It's kind of cool. Just going to the under that felt cool. But then there's the mess that was the Flash book that just felt like Dan Dio's fan fiction of hating Wally West. And I'm like, Dang. what are you doing? <laughs> like, we're just gonna just like, oh, we're gonna have this like shadow demon infect Wally and start killing everybody. And I'm like, it's like what? also feels a little convoluted because you have, well, I would say actually con- contradicting what happened in Death Metal Issue 7, which is like, okay, we're gonna utilize Wally as the vehicle to learn what the new DC universe is and like show hope again. And then you have this future state book, which is so like, okay, what? He, he killed another guy? Yeah, like, totally. did you learn? <laughs> Like they like 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 Williamson spent his entire run, despite outside interference, trying to rebuild Wally as a character, and he even got to write that issue where like 
all of the Flash family is with him, and he even puts back on the red, like the red iconic Flash suit, and does one big attack. And then you see this, and it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why are you killing everybody? <laughs> I just, I don't know, man. Like, and he killed Jay. I think that's a lot. Yeah, first you killed. But Bart, which that struck me as out of character to the highest degree, even if you are infected by a shadow demon. Then you kill Jay Garrick, the OG. <laughs> the and audacity. I'm, the audacity. How dare you? Like you can like, like like you hurting me by killing Bart because I'm a Titans lover. But you're you're attacking the legacy right there. That's the OG dog. How, like, where do you get off, my friend? <laughs> They do whatever they want with Wally. I swear to God, <laughs> bro. Like really though, it's like it's like in, I'm like I I feel bad about saying this because I love Williamson as a as a writer, but it's like it feels as if everybody just like shit on him his entire run and kept crapping on him. Like Tom King said, "Fuck Wally, I'm gonna ruin him in Future State," and then him and Scott Snyder are like, "No, we're gonna fix it." And now this happens, and it's like. Did Williamson take all of his frustration and, like, say, screw the Teen Titans book, I'm gonna fix Damien, when no one wants him to fix Damien? And I'm like, no! <laughs> so, yeah, that was week one, everybody. That was week one. Um, um, Mary, I, know, I, I don't know if you have any opinions on the Yara Flora Wonder Woman. I know I kind of spread uh, blew past that. Um, do you want to, like, give thoughts on that? I do have thoughts. Um, because obviously to say I'm a Wonder fan is kind of like to say the sky is blue. I think it's a little obvious to pretty much everybody. Yeah. And I'm always down for expanding the Wonder family because, you know, it, it is severely underdeveloped. If you don't, if you haven't been reading decades of the book, you know, there are all of these Amazons that a lot of, you know, people who may not have stepped too far into the Wonder mythos are familiar with. I mean, case in point is Nubia. So I was really excited to see that, you know, we have a new tribe of Amazons, that, you know, we have somebody completely new. And I felt like the complete disorganization in the plot kneecapped her right out of the gate. Because I actually found the first issue of that Wonder Woman book to be almost nonsensical. Really? I, I, I couldn't make heads or tails of it. Like... Because <clears throat> we talked about this, you know, a little bit a few minutes ago, is that, you know, I constantly felt like I was missing something. And, you know, so they immediately jump into this story without, you know, spending a lot of time establishing who this brand new character is. And, you know, this is a character that we know for certain is going to be stepping out into the main universe here very soon. I mean, you know, the CW has already optioned a TV show. Um, I from the rumblings that we've heard she may be the new wonder girl like so this is a character that is going to have you know a, a larger impact as time goes on and i just felt like it was a really weak start that honestly i don't know i'm starting to spiral but <laughs> i am excited for the character and i like her as a character she she seems a lot of fun and i really want to get to know her more but honestly, I think the script was just bad. Mm. Now, the, the art was glorious. Don't get me wrong. The art was glorious. But, you know, for this being the character that was 
She wasn't the most hyped by the company, but she was definitely the one that got the most attention. And it just... eh, Is my general opinion for that. Fair enough. Um, I could have been stronger on that one, but I liked her personality a lot. I was like, okay, she's definitely very different, which is like, I want to see more of her. Absolutely. Like, I think she's spunky. I think, you know, she has a lot of charm that's very obvious right out of the gate. And I I really want to see that developed more. But, you know, that that lends itself to my big problem with Future State is that they try to do too much with no time. Like, this is, you know, in my opinion, this is the all new, all different situation all over again, where they threw everything at the wall just to it's gonna stick and in my in my opinion future state is little more than a character farm that they're gonna go in and they're gonna pull out you know characters here and there you know you know characters that may have done well characterizations that may have done well it's just to kind of come back later you know, because they, they, they've introduced this little, you know, bit of new characters, some of them being very young. So, I don't know. I think this is largely just going to be a content farm. That's fair. But, you know, you so think, like this, uh-huh. this is me. I, I take very cynical approaches to these kinds of things. I, I think this was definitely um, Marie Javins trying to buy herself time to figure out what is going on because, you know, it was her and Michelle Wells and now Michelle Wells got the pink slip. She's out of there. So Javins is on her own. Javins is on her own for this. And she was sent into a burning building armed with nothing but lighter fluid and matches and told to put the fire out. The readers for two months, it's just like for the people who said, well, is future state important? Should I buy this? I think it's such a shame. It's like, was there really a story? It's like, you have to get this. This is so great. And I find your time event, which is such a shame. I really looked into this event saying, okay, it's going to be better than what we expected. You know, I'm going to, we're going to try all these, you know, there's got to be something that sticks to the wall. And I have to say overall, just disappointing. Yeah. I think, like, I think the, oh, go ahead. I think, and, like, I think the biggest one that kind of, like, shows me that there is a mixed bag here is the Superman one. And, I mean, the Superman from week one, the Superman uh, Superman of Metropolis, which is Jonathan Kent's story, which it feels like everybody at DC was told, hey, Bendis screwed up and made John older. Let's push him a little farther and make him the the main Superman of the, of the universe, and let's ha- let's see what we can do. And they immediately turned him into a glorified villain by saying, hey, I want to keep Metropolis safe, so I'm going to candor it and bottle it up and put it in a jar. And I'm like, really? 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 That's what you want? You can't hate on his pragmatism. (laughs) Yeah, and it's it's like... In theory, it works. Oh, yeah, no, like, if you want to keep it safe, like, good job, but... The, the antithesis of it was the fact that, like, some random other force similar to the Magistrate called Trojan, which, 
Good job there, uh, DC. Look, wait, wait for the condom jokes against Superman. But friggin' tro, but this force called Trojan that that farmed burnt pieces of Brainiac to create something called brain cells to start plugging into people's bodies to give them superpowers. Uh, helped like like create an army of people to fight against the like the the army, and it's like. What? And now Jonathan's just had enough of it and said, I'm going to bottle Metropolis to keep it safe because my dad told me that it's the beacon of tomorrow. It's the city that we all need. And Kara comes down swinging like, um, what? No, that's not okay. And then she goes off to the moon and it's just, there's so many backwards things going on here. And it just, it feels like half the squad's on one side and half the squad's on the other thing. It's like, who's driving the bus? When I was reading that book, I couldn't help but think, is this going to be the setup for the third Injustice game? Because that's, oh. kind of, that's kind of the level of just pure out there it was. Like, that opening scene in Injustice 2, that's what I'm imagining this is going to be. I mean, the Injustice 2 did kind of end with Superman debating keeping different things bottled up, so that makes sense. <laughs> but just, I... So, okay. like, I was just going to say, yeah, I was just saying that, like, I felt like all the Superman books are so lukewarm. And, mm. oh, man. It, the thing is, I'm not a John fan. I know there's so many hardcore John fans out there. But I really, I just feel like he's a carbon copy and doesn't have much of a personality besides, even when he was, like, a 10-year-old boy. His personality was, he hangs out with Damien. Like, he he's just Connor Ken. Honestly, Connor's more interesting because at least he's a clone. Ooh. And he also has like, you know, he has the debate of like, am I evil? Am I good? John's just like, okay, I'm I'm Superman's son and always ignores his mom being Lois. I feel like there's never a conversation. And it's just like, he's so bland. And every single time I say that, most people are like, what are you talking about? Super sons. I'm like, I just don't, I just don't like John. But anyways, I also did not like John here because it's just, it's the same thing. He's just a carbon copy of his dad, except bland he's just he's a you know it just i don't like it and then um i really was disappointed with supergirl uh i i I feel like it's all the mistakes they've been making with supergirl uh in the past couple years it's just like okay she's always angry she doesn't have a place in the world i'm like can we have like supergirl being super i think is one of the best supergirl stories in recent years like can we have something like that for supergirl i don't get why we're not getting it and then War of whatever is called War of um, other Superman book, the Clark Kent one. Um, yeah. That like you had half the story exposition of why Superman is awesome, and then that what we're sold weird. at, right? And then the thing you're sold was the last two pages. I'm like, what? I was expecting this World War Hulk thing. We didn't even get it in the first issue. Like it felt like how Bendis started off his Superman run, where he was more worried about new ancillary characters and then cared about Clark, where it's like, you're talking about Superman as a beacon of hope, and how he's still alive, and yeah, like, it felt like you're trying to prop him up, and then it was like, hey, Superman, but World War Hulk over here, and then it's like, hey, Mr. Miracle and, and Midnight are over here too, and I'm like, okay, you can't, you, first of all, as like, oh, like, a, like literally a, a diehard Midnighter fan, yay, but also, he has no involvement with Superman whatsoever, so why are you here? Um, now, granted, he's there to fill the gay quota. Let's just be honest. 
Damn. She's not, she's not wrong. She's what? not wrong. No, she's not wrong. As the gay man at the table, she's not wrong. At the same time, Stephanie Phillips. And I, 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 was that her? Was that her? No, no. Someone else. Who, who wrote it? Who, who? The Midnighter one. Let me say Midnighter uh, Future State. I think it was, it was, it was, it was cloning. It was cloning. Cause I tweeted her. I tweeted her and was like, yo, this story is probably like one of my favorite things from future state. Like, because, it, because it felt like that it was, it was her trying to, it was cloning. Uh, it was her trying to prove herself. It was her trying to strike out and prove that a, um, a newer woman at the table could write a, a character like Midnighter to be brutal as hell and do a really good job at it. And B, it was her trying to like, well, like, 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 sort of like put, like, put, put some Purell in her hands and get like, and smooth it out, get ready for when she steps up to the plate for Wonder Woman because she also wrote, um, the Wonder Woman story for Immortal as well. And it's like Midnighter was a great way to break your hands in because that was pretty damn good. Has she written anything at DC since Gotham Academy? I think so I think she did some t- TV work. I think maybe I don't know. Because I, I think she was on the Gotham Academy team. And, they, you know, that was... DCU had a lot of promise, and I thought that was one of the more fun books. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, circling back... I'm sorry? I was saying, I had a good time with that one. Mm-hmm. It, 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 was, it was really cute. Um, circling back to the Supergirl book, um, I am infinitely charmed with Marguerite Bennett. But I think this was an example of Marguerite Bennett just kind of margariting all over the place. Because you can, you can always tell when they want to do the refugee narrative with Kara. And seldom is it done actually well. Because, you know, I, I very much like to su- subscribe to the narrative theory that Superman is the ultimate adoption story. But Kara is the ultimate refugee story. And you can tell that that's kind of what she was doing. And Bennett usually tries to put in some kind of commentary. Because, I mean, if you look at Bombshells, Bombshells has a butt ton of commentary in it. But you could also tell that Marguerite Bennett basically just wanted to write a gay moon colony. Because I did, and I'm trying not to give anything away, but I have read the second issue. It's in the box. And um, it, it, it smooths itself out a little bit, but it's very much just Marguerite Bennett stepping in, you know, throwing something on the table and getting her paycheck. Like, stepping on the beat, do, 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 do. Because, I mean, they just, they throw money at her after the runaway success that was bombshells. They, they just throw money at her. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, when she has a car payment or something, she just calls them up. So I think... <laughs> I don't want to say she's half-assing it, but she's half-assing it. And that was really disappointing to see. But And I've I've seen Bennett be on her A game. Go look at something oh, yeah. like Power Rangers Beyond the Grid. Look at look at oh, like that um, what was bombshell. Animosity. Like, animosity, yes. Like like she can be on her A game, but like I will admit the super the supergirl book had me like, yeah, this is kind of just a gay move, Colony. I will forever be charmed that DC found two women named Marguerite that work in comics and put them on the same book. Yes. 
Now, 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 Marguerite Bennett, if you want to go to like Image or Aftershock and want to write a gay moon colony, like have just like a perfectly good like pride moon colony book, I'm not going to say no, but like, like, because I'd buy that. I'd buy the fuck out of that. Like, yes, give me that book. <laughs> like, honestly, um, like I see her name on anything, I just throw money at it. Um, I thought her Batwoman book was kind of weak, but I still threw money at it because this is me and I am hopeless. Well, yeah, you're like you're the number one Batwoman fan, so you kind of had to. I'm also hopeless. Just ask my wife. <laughs> um. <laughs> so from there, I'm not okay. For the, for the record. I'm so sick of Bendis that I refuse to acknowledge the Legion of Superheroes book. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all care you, about the you book. don't. You don't have to because honestly, I thought that was the weakest. Of all. Yeah, like it, it felt yeah. like some other I agree. Shit yeah, like I, I'm not gonna give Bendis more credit than like if there, if there ever comes a day that Brian Michael Bendis wants to sit at the panel to panel table and hash out what the hell he's been doing all these years. You are welcome, sir. I will have a conversation with you because. From New Avengers to, like, Miles' entrance into the Ultimate Universe, you were a baller. And then the minute I heard you make a, a get-in-the-zone, auto-zone joke in, in, in um, the, the Doctor Doom Iron Man book, I was done. I signed off. I, the, I, like, you, try, you try to pull me back with, with Young Justice, and then you shit the bed. So, like, no. Sorry. I think he's slowly As... starting to realize. Oh, I'm sorry. I pushed past you there. Go ahead. Well, where do y'all go? Um, I was just going to say that it's uh, it's difficult because Bendis has written, like you said, has written some good stuff, but he has so much on his plate, or at least did. I'm, I, and I'm sure this is what I'm guessing. This is what Mary was going to say is just like now that he's only got the one book, I guess, for now, which is Justice League. I hope he's slowing down a bit and just like writing one good book. Written for DC is Naomi. I loved his Naomi. I thought yes, it was so good. I still think David F. Walker wrote that whole book and Bendis just cut himself a check. I swear. <laughs> I think David F. Walker wrote that whole book and Bendis got cut himself a check. I, I, I wholeheartedly I mean, believe that. You can tell that David F. Walker was the guiding hand of that book. Yep. But Bendis. The other stuff he did. He does have a knack for character creation, though. True. Unfortunately, I think he's about five or six years past his prime. And honestly, I'm t- like, and he, and he, since we're on week two, I'm gonna say this. I think the Justice League book that Williamson wrote, I want to see Williamson write League now, or at least give him JSA now that half oh. the JSA is back in canon because he has more respect for legacy than Bendis ever will. Because Bendis only reads like like handful of books at a time when he needs to write a character. Like, I would rather see Williamson on a Justice League book. I I didn't like Bendis. I got really, really. You didn't like Williamson, Mary. Speak on it. Oh, I was making a half-hearted. I was making a half-hearted comment that I didn't like the way Bendis just wrote Lois Lane in general. Oh, well, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but I will admit I am getting bored with Williamson. Really? He's, yeah, because he's just kind of everywhere, and I'm... 
I feel like he just keeps taking weird direction after weird direction after weird direction and it clashes with everything that you know it it's not bad and I've never actually you know genuinely thought anything in recent memory has been bad but I'm just getting bored with it like I'm constantly you, you know I'm I'm at the point now where I'm just so irritated that DC and you know Marvel does this a lot too and you know they do it too, but, you know, they're not the topic of conversation at the moment. But DC has just been passing dozens of books, like, to the same four or five people. And these are all just perspectives that you know what they're going to do, you know what they're about. And mm. I'm just bored. And I was really hoping that Future State was going to do something to help, you know, raise that up a bit. I mean, you knew it wasn't going to be gold because it was, it seemed like a very rushed initiative. And if, you know, they just stripped, you know, 5G for parts and then added to it, you know, it wasn't going to be perfect. Mm. But I was hoping there would be more to work with. There were individual pages that I liked, individual backups that I liked, but nothing really wowed me. I mean, Immortal and Nubia were the standouts, but that's just because I'm a Wonder Woman fan, and I'm honestly trying to figure out if my enthusiasm for those books is just the wonder in the title, you know? Can you Kat. tell I'm having an existential crisis? Yeah. <laughs> Kat, what were you going to say? Feel like DC Elise is making moves to get new creators on board, which I'm happy about. New voices because of you know the March lineup that we had, like Stephanie Phillips and stuff like that. Um, but I do agree. I think uh, you know that was definitely a complaint before Future State. It's just like okay, Bendis has ten books, even Joshua Williamson has like five books or whatever. Um, but I thought his Justice League was very solid because it, it told a point A to point B story. Um, because it introduced the team, which I thought everyone had really good chemistry in the team. I loved Andy, and I loved Jess, and I hope we get to see more of Jess. Um, I really mm -hmm. enjoyed them. Um, and I, I was really pleasantly surprised with Andy, because I'm not an Aquaman fan, but I really, really like her a lot, and I want to see more of her. And I like that there was kind of like a murder mystery in it. The artwork was really solid. Uh, so Justice League, I really enjoyed that one. But yeah, I agree. We need new voices. And and that's something, definitely an issue with both Marvel and DC. DC, I'm happy that they brought people from the indie world and, and who obviously have like image books or even, you know, other books. Marvel, I feel like a lot of their new blood is either novelists or TV writers and nothing against bringing novelists or TV writers in. But I, I do want to see Marvel bring in more of like the indie crowd uh, to their lineup. See, when it came to with, with Future State, it feels like they there was like a little bit from overhead that was like, yo, bring in some new people or pitch this idea and see who answers. And it feels like Snyder, Bendis, um, Tynan were just kind of like, we're not interested. We're burnt out. We're not doing it. We're not interested. And Williamson was the one that was like, I'll keep going. And then everyone else was like, okay, cool, we need and a whole Gotham new Gotham has people. fucking suffered for it. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, Travis. I mean, no, I am not okay with this fucking bullshit Blade Runner magistrate Gotham here, honestly. 
I mean, like, he, he has a point there. He has a point. And, oh, uh, damn, Travis, come out of left field with that shit. I love you, friend. <laughs> but, like, um, he has a point. Like, it feels as if if you would have been like, yo, let's really do all new, all different, but let's just freaking, if, if y'all really want to do a new 52, but do it right this time, then fucking do it. Like, that's the problem I see here is there, there's a lack of coherent cohesion. There's a lack of, of understanding of what they want to do. There's like, like, like literally, if you would have had a full league lineup like you had here, if you knew what you were doing, like pitched everything, like if Teen Titans Academy was just Teen Titans Academy and not like the end of the book that's coming in March. Yeah, cool. Whatever. I'm cool with it. But then there's like Justice League where it feels like a fresh start into something new and something exciting. And then everything else is going on in the corner like, yo, we don't know what to do. The Magistrate, Trojan, um, like fucking Maybe Rex. this is harsh. Maybe this is harsh, but I'm going to be honest with you right now. This Gotham that I'm seeing feels like Cyberpunk 2077 with more bugs. Oof. Because like, I, wow. I'm wow. honestly not a fucking fan. To be complete, because it's like, okay, there's this like shadow police force that's overseeing Gotham now, but they're also shooting people in the middle of the damn street, show having all these drones, and everyone's just like, this is definitely better than Batman was. So yeah, much better. Yeah, and there's even a point where it's like, um, there's the magistrate secret police in the Nightwing book, there's like a point where, um, it was the, the Nightwing book or the second Batman book where there's an undercover person, like an undercover magistrate agent that's like hassling in an, like a woman and he like rips open his cybernetic skin. He's like, I'm a secret agent. And I'm like, what, 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 what is this? What? 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 Make up your mind. Like, like if you're going to be Arkham City, but the whole, the whole damn town, then cool, whatever. Be Arkham City, but the whole, but the whole town. But if you're not going to do that, don't do it. That's how I feel about that. And then it, you look. Oh, go ahead, Mary. Oh, I was gonna jump, just uh, jump in and say that it felt really, really similar to, and this is gonna be kind of out of left field, but when Tynan was doing Detective, and there was that weird colony subplot with Batwoman. Yes. That feels uh, like what the colony was gonna be. Yes. That's See, really this what this felt like. Subplot. This is kind of like where my head was at for it, because it was like when Tynan was doing Detective. And then later when he was doing Batman, this magistrate Gotham almost feels like a really fucking distorted version of what Bruce has been trying to do this whole time. And I'm curious about it, to be completely honest with you. Mm. I wonder if, like, they asked, like, there wasn't a full direction plan for the Batman books, and they, like, asked Tynan, hey, like, where were you going to end this? And like they, he told them, and then they just made this. Like, like, I, I, I wanted a better Gotham. Oh well, fuck that idea. We're gonna shoot Bruce. Is that okay? Because we're gonna do it anyway. We're gonna shoot Bruce. Not once, but twice. We're gonna shoot Bruce. Okay. Like, and here's the controversial opinion. Before I bitch about Titans for a half hour, um, <laughs> I, I I think um, Tamaki's for, and like, and this breaks my heart because I love John Ridley as a fucking writer. I think Tamaki's Batman about Bruce was, like, sim more similar to something, like, we know and love, like, Scott Snyder's opening run, than, like, that then was more enjoyable out of John Ridley, because John Ridley feels like he has 
a Ta-Nehisi Coates Black Panther in space level run planned, and he's not getting to do it. Tamaki feels like she's just going to strap on the bat boots and, and take off running. Like, I, I kind of like what Tamaki's doing more than Ridley because Ridley feels like he's getting kicked in the shins. It feels like they're, they're, they're like, no, no, go digital. You're not going nowhere. You're going to have a miniseries. Like, it really bothers me. <laughs> I, I think it's probably um, detective was more character driven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Detective was very much character driven. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of that is probably because you know, um, just in terms of you know Tamaki kind of being pushed to the forefront. I think it's because she's picking up Detective in March. I think. Yep, in March. No, don't get me wrong. I am very excited for that. You know, Tamaki has a baseball bat and she's gonna come out swinging. Mm. So. Because you know, tying back to something Kat said earlier, Supergirl being super is one of the best books I have read in recent years at DC. You do more books like that. It's just like, I don't remember right. a time. And I, I like a lot of DC books, don't get me wrong. But I don't remember a time where I went to the comic book <laughs> store. I'm like, I can't wait to open up that door and read freaking Supergirl being super. Because that's how good it was. Like every issue was the, a slam the, dunk. That, that like I was reading a modern wait. classic. That two month wait was awful. Hmm? Oh, that two month wait. Oh, I was working. I was working at a comic book store at the time, so whenever we'd um, open the boxes and there it would be, I'd kind of like sneak off to a corner, and my boss would have to come chase me down and tell me to put it away. Like, what are you doing? We're busy. Um. So yes. now we're now we're reaching the point where. There, I want to I, I want to highlight the Shazam book real quick because I'm conflicted, but I enjoyed it. First of all, um, who wrote the Shazam book? I want to I want to I want to I want to address them because they deserve the uh, address for a conflicted but very good told story. Um, give me one, story. which is really nice. <laughs> like, like I, I like you you just, um. Tim Sheridan, Tim Sheridan, sir, you are a gentleman and a scholar, but what the heck is going on? <laughs> That's like you, you told a really good story here, but like what happened? Because like like he's another one. Like 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 him specifically with the Shazam book, it feels like he wants to take off running with something, but doesn't get to do it. Like he has a whole thing going where Billy had to had to have um a neuron literally separate him and Shazam, and he's the one fighting back the demons and whatnot. While Shazam is his own person now. Also, Tim, I'm not blaming you. I'm not blaming you, but I need you to tell me. I need you to tell me right now. Who told you to change Tanya Spears' name from Power Girl to Powerhouse? Because we need to have a conversation. <laughs> I'm not okay with this. Uh, that, that 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 really bothered me. But no, like also, who's the new question? Because I don't. I, I'm really concerned. Um, because it, yeah, it, that was it, another one. Yeah, like if you that's that's what had me thinking that he has a story to tell where he's like, yo, there's a new there's a new question. It's not Montoya. It's not the other guy. What's going on? Like, it just... I was, the... I was oh, so confused that whole book. 
but I could, for the life of me, I couldn't put it down. It, it was an absolute page turner because yeah. this is something we have never seen. And I think it, because of that, it is probably one of my, I'm using air quotes here, favorite. Yes, because, same. you know, it, it is weird and it's difficult to grasp, but it was so, so well written that I couldn't put it down. And that's the kind of story that I'm here for. I mean, I'm not advocating, you know, for Shazam to go out and kill people, obviously. That's not no. what I'm saying here. But it was it was a completely new perspective on this character that's really gotten a big push in popularity over the last couple of years because of the movie. And I'll be honest, with the new framework of Shazam as a character, not the Captain Marvel shtick, you know, I never once thought about, okay, who would Shazam be if he was his own person? Mm -hmm. So I thought that no was... Brainer. They not done it. Yeah, I, I thought it was very, very clever. I'm confused. I'm concerned. I want to look at him and go, "Who hurt you?" But I couldn't put it down. Like I, I feel like I feel bad for Vixen and Bunker, and also I, I refuse to acknowledge this version of McGann as a person because I don't know who hurt Dan Abnett, but ever since he brought this version of Miss Martian into canon, I've hated every second of her, and this book continues to make me hate this version. I I don't like it. I like this isn't me having Young Justice TV show PTSD. I remember like the pre New Fifty Two Miss Martian being better written than that. So go like I I don't know who hurt Dan Abnett in, like in Tim Sheridan or if Tim Sheridan is just carrying over Dan Abnett's nonsense, but. I know you were burnt out on Aquaman. Don't ruin a character for that. But I was nice seeing Bunker and Vixen here as supporting characters because I don't know who, I don't know who pissed off uh, someone at DC besides Tom King since Tom King was reportedly trying to kill Bunker previously. But can we see some more Bunker, please? I like him as a character. He was the one thing Scott Lobdell made in the New 52 that I didn't hate. Please bring him back, please. Um... But with this book, I, I was really interested in seeing what was going on, and yet you you have you've ran, also who I don't know who told like like got into Christopher Priest's time warp and let Tanya out. Like maybe Tanya got out of the time warp when um the Harley Quinn writers pulled Karen out for the millionth time. But I guess I guess Tanya's back. Cool. <laughs> Like, does everyone re remember that? Like, when Christopher mm -hmm. Priest in Deathstroke literally just kind of shoved Tanya Spears into a time warp with Karen Starr, and we just were supposed to act like they didn't exist. <laughs> and now they're just like, she's back and has a new dumber name, and it just... <sighs> like, powerhouse. You got me fucked up, bro. But, <laughs> like, um... James, James, how do you really feel? Like I just, I love Chris, I love Christopher Brees' Deathstroke run. He even tried to fix the problem with the Teen Titans show that humanized Tara and made her more of a scumbag, like she was in the '80s. But that was the one misstep of that whole book was when he was he just shoved the black girl into a time warp. But now it's nice to see her back. But I hate her new name. But um, now moving on to my real frustrations, Teen oh, Titans. Lord. Um, so this book, I. I, I, I'm going to have trouble quantifying my feelings here specifically. First of all, um, what the hell is a Psy Beast? 
<laughs> like, what is it? Like, like, did they like rip all of the black off of off of Cyborg and then just shove it on soft Garfield? Like, I, I like they're never gonna explain it. They're never going to. And if they do, I, I don't know if I want to know the answer. <laughs> but I'm really concerned. <laughs> Can somebody help me on this one? Because I just, I really want to understand what happened here. <laughs> like, that's, that's that's before I even get into the, like, the brat girl uh, that's a part of this random team. And Red X being here because, oh God. That's a, that's a whole thing. Uh, to sell the book, uh, for sure. Um, I'm, I don't know. I, I didn't hate the book, but also it's so forgettable. I can't even tell you what the plot of that book was. It was literally like, died. yo, some weird, like, horseman of the apocalypse thing happened. And now, like, the remnants of te- of the Teen Titans is dead because they tried to make their own version of the X-Men and it failed horribly. And, like... The random whoever the, the the heck Red X is is in a cage because of what he did, and it's just what? Like I I, I had you I felt like I had a head. See, I really wanted to feel like they were pulling the trigger on what the TV show hinted that it was going to be Jason Todd, but I, I don't think it's Jason Todd. I think I don't even know who that is. And I'm just like, oh, well, why is that interesting? All the students are new. Mm, yep. That, 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 that's a good Cool. <laughs> I, I'm going to continue with the narrative that makes everybody angry. Um, look, I loved the Teen Titans cartoon as much as anybody who watched it in the early 2000s. Like, yeah. I never missed an episode. Same. But we don't have to pander to the nostalgia. See, this is the one time where I will, where I will agree with you because up until this book released, and like, like, like the only comic appearance of Red X was the Teen Titans Go book from the two thousands, and now we're, we're we're having a freaking Batman Who Laughs situation with the Teen Titans number nineteen from th- two two three years ago, where everyone's picking up this one book because oh my god, Red X. Watch it be a nothing character that no one's ever I mean, going to care about. It's going to be because anything else would have, you know, implications that are just too big. And then, you know, you have to work into writing everything else. And if this is something that carries over, which I'm genuinely afraid it might be. So I'm guessing. Yeah. So he's. Definitely, I think it's a he, um, is definitely going to be in it. But, you know, it's it's interesting because I think since Punchline, DC's like, oh, spec books and people are going to buy them. And I think that's what Red X is. It's just, it's a spec book. It's like, okay, Red X first appearance. We're going to get that. Um, oh, when he's revealed, we're going to get that. And, and yeah, because of nostalgia. And, you know, I don't, I don't mind Red X being in the main universe. But give me a reason. If it's like, let's say, Clown Ooh. Hunter, which is not gonna be Clown Hunter, but if it was, like, oh, that's cool because you built them up, and now you're making Red X. That's really awesome. That's actually interesting. But it's just gonna be a new character, and be like, okay, cool. That's an interesting theory, though, that it could be Clown Hunter because he was kind of one of the like one of my favorite things about Tynan. 
I, I think a situation where kind of not maybe not a nostalgia character, but like an exterior character was brought in and how it worked was I don't remember what book it was. Travis might have to jump in with this, but when they introduced the Arkham Knight into the comic books and it ended up being Victoria Arkham. Homasi's detective, wasn't it Travis? Yeah. Travis, where did you die? But anyway, I thought that was interesting because to tie in with what Kat just Whoops, said, I was like, muted. Oh dear lord, Travis scared the shit out of me. <laughs> it's Detective Comics uh, like a thousand and two, somewhere in there. It's right after a thousand is when Arkham Knight made her appearance. But to tie in with what Kat said, they gave us a reason for her being there and for her being the Arkham Knight. I'm just afraid that, you know, Red X is just there because cartoon. Like. Here's the ultimate plot know. twist. And, and Ian and Linkara are going to hate me. Red X oh, no. and Danny Chase. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for it to be some kind of elaborate Teen Titans go to the movie style shenanigans. Bro, if it's, if it's Danny Chase, I'll fucking die. But like, um, yeah, no, like literally the Teen Titans book felt disjointed. It felt like. They're tr- like it's trying to tell a like to tell a post-apocalyptic story in, in an apocalypse we know nothing about. Um, I really need somebody at like at DC to catch hands over the forced relationship that is Wallace West and Emiko Queen, because now you took Emiko Queen from being this badass to just being this like my boyfriend's dead. I'm so I'm like, not the only person that had a problem with that. Oh, I hated it. I hated it. Like, I, granted, I hate Wallace West as a character, but that's beside the point. Like, I hate Emiko Queen, but Wallace. I don't work for her than just... <laughs> I hate him so much, I hate Wallace West. But, like, like I, I, I don't even like Emiko Queen as a character, but I think Percy created a good character, and she's freaking awesome. But, like, she's not for me. I, I want Mia Dearden, but, like, what are you gonna do? Like, I think... Yeah, but she's never come back, sadly. So, so sad. Like, remember they announced a Green Arrow book like three or four years ago, and it just never happened. <laughs> yeah. Well, there was a rumor that Bendis was going to take over Green Arrow, and then he ended up taking over freaking Justice League. And I'm like, bro, really? You could like really? do a Green Arrow book because he would probably bring back Mia out of everybody. Like, I could see him bringing back yeah. Mia. Will he do it well? I don't know. He writes Stephanie pretty well. Like, I'm always surprised when he writes Stephanie. I'm like, oh. She's in character. That's weird. Um, uh, but yeah, I would love a Green Arrow book. But he's going to be in Justice League. So like that, the Black Mary and, and Green Arrow. So maybe if it does well, he'll do a spinoff. But Possibly. no more. Only one, only one book for Bendis. I only want him to have one. <laughs> All I know is I'm sure because Hippolyta is going to be on that team, isn't she? Yep. Hippolyta and, and uh, Black Adam are on that team because they need to promote Black Adam because of Dwayne Johnson. So I'm I'm very nervous because uh, again I am a ridiculous Wonder Woman fan. There's like thirty of us. Um, I'm joking. I have a six foot cutout. Um, but Hippolyta only leaves the mascara when shit is fucked. And you know th- that's kind of a crude description, but it is very true. Hippolyta does not leave the mascara unless shit is just absolutely coconuts. Yes. So I'm interested to see what that situation is going to be. But at the same time, I am always nervous with Bendis writing women. 
Yeah. And I, I tend to be leery of a lot of people when they write women, but Bendis, you know, he he's done well a handful of times, but I have seen a lot very recently that I am not impressed with. Because, like, I, I didn't like anything he did with Lois. Like, I get it, the Margot Kidder callbacks were very cute, and I did enjoy that, but just overall, I, I couldn't get into it. So when you have two really strong characters, like Hippolyta and Black Canary you know, color me nervous, you know? That's like metaphorical, like, like, like dick measuring for no reason. And I'm kind of worried about Bendis trying to do that. Well, just because of like his, his background, you know, Black Canary is kind of snarky. So I could see him, but I don't want her to be overly snarky. I think Black Canary is like a hidden snarky. Like she'll have like a one good one liner and be like, oh, that that was pretty good. You know, uh, I don't know. It's, and I agree. Like, I think he's written like, obviously Jessica Jones well, because that's his character. I I like a lot of the woman in Ultimate Spider-Man, but then you look at Lois, you're like, Oh no, and <laughs> this is not Lois Lane at all. I really didn't like his Lois. So yeah, I'm definitely nervous my, my about biggest, the book. My biggest fear is that Black Canary's just gonna be Jessica Jones in a blonde wig. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. That that's so, one of my biggest concerns is that the characters like they're similar. You know, they're both nonsense, very tough women who have, you know, very caustic, sarcastic personalities. So I'm afraid that Canary is just gonna be Jessica Jones in a blonde wig. Fair. Um, I think I'm going to hold off on my opinions on Wonder Woman Immortal, other than it probably is one of the best written books out of the entire DC Future State lineup because Stephanie Phillips does a really why were the first like five pages strictly about Batman though? <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Because Batman uh, runs everything, yes. especially when he's not Batman. Who run the world? Bats. I but mean, anyway. he's dead. <laughs> and the first five pages. <laughs> quote unquote. Like... Quote unquote. Dead. Dead. <laughs> yeah, but Wonder Woman Immortal literally takes place at the end of time. That's the whole point of the book. If you look at the oh, he line, dead, dead. Then he yeah, really yeah, no, dead. No, Immortal... no, he's, he's <laughs> yeah, like no. super dead. And then you had, you know, the Amazons who are like, look, we're, we're going to go die. And she's like, but you're going to die. And they're like, no, oh, we're going to go die. And they just, like, get destroyed by Darkseid in an instant. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the, I think, and what, what was crazy was um, the Nubia story by L.L. McKinney literally does the same thing that some of the other books do. Some of the Rid- Ridley, where it's like, both of these books feel like they have so much more to do. And then it's like, you get like two in, bro. And I'm like, with, no! With the Nubia book, I thought it was very well written. Um, I felt like I walked in in the middle of the book. And like, you can yeah. tell that there was more, like there, there is very clearly more she wanted to tell. And, you know, I, I feel like she got pigeonholed. But I felt like I walked in in the middle of it. And it, it was different Nubia than what I have previously seen. And no, don't get me wrong. Nubia is the best thing Robert Kanger ever did. And I do not like to compliment him. But it, it was interesting to see Nubia on like a, oh, not the- on a street level, if that makes any sense. That makes sense, yeah. 
Anyway, I've I've hit that point where I'm just circling and rambling. No, no, you're good. And like it's like that's why I want to save because I'm we're having um LL McKinney on a few weeks to talk about um newbie a real one. So I want to save that like more discussion on Immortal for then. But I really feel like she has so much more to tell. And I hopefully oh, at absolutely. some point she gets to tell that story. Um so now, then we move on to week four. And week four I, I saved a point of the Justice League discussion for the Aquaman discussion that I'm about to have, where Andy Curry is a character. Kelly Sudeikonik, you are you are a blessing and a curse because not only have you created a character that fans are going to love, and that at some point DC is going to make a franchise out of her, like with like a one a Aquawoman book or with a movie. You have literally stepped on the head of a black man, and you don't even understand that. You gave a black man a shot at writing Jackson High uh, with Jordan Clark, which was amazing. But now with this, you like it was told like DC told Brand, uh, Brandon Thomas, another black man, to let this white woman step on his head and move forward. And I don't like that. You're literally going, hey. The, the the daughter of Aquaman matters more than the person being handed the legacy. And it's like, mmm. Ah. Like, especially, and there's the line in the Aquaman book that she says. And it's obviously she's young, she's immature, she doesn't understand. And she she's totally different in the Justice League book written by Williamson because she feels like a fully fleshed out character by then. In the Aquaman book, she literally says, you're never going to be Aquaman. And it feels like every neckbeard, comics-gate, white nerd yelling that in my face when it comes to Jackson, and I hate it. So it's like, this is me offering like genuine criticism. I feel like you made a misstep here, DC. I don't, I don't think this was Brandon Thomas's call. I think someone told him to write this story because there's the parts where... Jackson is fighting a back against his captors that feels like the excellence from Image Comics, like the actual book excellence, level of writing I've known from Brandon Thomas. But that line, that felt so purposely put in there, and I hate it. And I, like, if, I, if I'm off the rail, please tell me. But that just... I do. Because I did not, like, I actually really liked the book, but now, like, you saying that, I'm like, oh, man. You're totally right. Like, damn. Yeah. And I think, felt about the book now. And I think structurally, this is the genuine problem with trying to have multiple generations of legacy characters. Is that you know, obviously, you know, you've had Jackson, and Jackson has been around for a long time, and it makes the most reasonable sense that he would become Aquaman, but wait a minute, you know, here's Aquaman's daughter. So then you have this weird, like, manufactured moral quandary of, well, who's the actual successor? And it just, it muddles everything because, you yeah, know... we I've talked about this a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and I've seen this discourse break out on Twitter. A lot of people, you know, arguing that it's the Bat Family argument all over again. It's, you know, mm -hmm. who's the true heir to the Bat Mantle? And so you're seeing a lot of people arguing Jackson versus Andy. And I feel like... I don't want to think that this conflict was intentional. 
because I, I do genuinely believe that that particular line was meant as kind of a, like a, you're not my real dad, you know? Yeah, it comes off like that too, but it's like... But, mm. but it's it's one of those lines that has consequences because you, you, it can be taken out of context. And it, I don't know, I'm trying to wax poetic here, but it's just one of those things that it just hits different. Yeah, and it's like you spent. Not only did you did Johns bring Jackson into canon during Brightest Day, then John said, "Hey, not only is he black and he's part of the Aquaman family now, he's gay." When it came to being in DC Rebirth, and Percy wrote him into the Teen Titans and gave him a purpose, and like uh, again addressed the whole thing with Black Manta that the TV show did, but we needed to do in the comics too, and. It, when when the images were posted of Jackson being Aquaman, I was crying. I was over the moon. I was like happy as all hell. And especially seeing Brandon Thomas, one of my favorite writers from Noble and from Excellence, doing this amazing story. And then it's like I finally pick it up in my hand because I bought it. I was super hyped about it, especially after reading Jordan Clark's um, lead in with during Deconic's run. And then you read this and you see like this amazing variant cover. Um, that 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 uh that was do, uh, done by his, his a, a collaborator uh, uh Carrie Randall uh, Randolph on um excellence and you see like this could be the future and the whole book could have just been like uh Jackson working as Andy being his sidekick slash partner and growing into the role of Aquawoman and it could have just been like this stepping stone for the the Williamson Justice League book but then it's like no screw all of that they've been trapped in a different dimension for almost all of uh andy's adolescence and jackson's been enslaved which opens a whole other can of worms especially when his his uh his uh enslavers are like yo if you'd have just told us who you were from jump we'd have let you go and it's like mm -hmm. i i like think it. i i think this is definitely one of those situations where you have to take option you have to take optics into account yeah so it's just like the entire book felt like some like something I was robbed of. The thing that I've been waiting to see Jackson achieve for a long time once more a cop and writer is like when DeConnick put him in the book, I was like, yes, please. I like from the minute Garth handed him the the water bearers that like and gave him the Aqualad mantle, I was like, yes, I've been waiting for this. Give me this. And then DeConnick did it. And I was like, yes. And then we get this, and it's just not what I wanted. And I just, I feel robbed. So I, I, I'm sorry if I went down a dark tangent there, but like, I felt that needed to be addressed. I'm just afraid that because um, the GLAD nominations just rolled out and the graphic novel about Jackson um, was nominated for a GLAD award. And I am afraid that he has fulfilled his purpose, so to speak. Oh, and you know me i'm I, i'm gay i'm cynical like but this is the way it has consistently played out at pretty much at, at both of the big two is that once they hit that certain quota and they can brag about that nomination then some of these characters tend to disappear and I am afraid that this is what's going to happen with Jackson. Because, you know, DC has a plethora of queer characters at their disposal, but Batwoman, for many years, was the only one pushed to the forefront. Now, 
granted, I'm not complaining about Batwoman being at the forefront, but, you know, you look out, even during the New 52, there were other gay characters floating around, but she's the only one that was really elevated. Well, and you had Bunker and you had Midnighter, but Kate was the one that was doing the big stuff. I mean, again, I'm not cl- cl- like complaining about Kate specifically, but I'm just afraid that, okay, we've ticked this box, let's move on. At DC, that's which is such a shame because even that woman now, like the person who was the forefront, the person who has a TV show, isn't really. Do you feel like there's any queer characters besides maybe maybe Arlie? But she's also like not really even allowed to talk about her queerness. So it's just like, damn, you put it into perspective. You're like, well, are they doing anything with their queer characters? And, like, there was an announcement recently that some of the DC staff is starting a freaking LGBT podcast. And I'm like, I even I, I tweeted at them. I was like, hey, maybe this might be a chance to get some queer characters in the spotlight and maybe get a book or two. And I'm I'm not hopeful because I've been waiting. I think for there's me. even one. Hopefully. It's consistently Harley and Diana that they tout as being bisexual. And, you know, Diana and Harley, they are both bisexual women. And, you know, that is important. But, oh, God damn it. I hate to be this person. But in comics, it has to be performative sometimes. That, you know, obviously Diana is bisexual. We all know Diana is bisexual. But if you never see it, you know, if we never explicitly see it from her, you know, where is that connection being made? I think what Mary's trying to say is there's a difference between, like, saying a character is, is queer than something like Barba- Barbalian's uh, current spinoff book where they're addressing the AIDS crisis. They're addressing him being gay yeah. out in the open. There's a totally different dynamic at play here. Now, I'm not saying that we need, you know, a six-issue arc of, you know, Diana setting up, a, like, a Tinder account or whatever. That's not what I'm arguing. But even just an offhanded reference to it is more than we are getting. And I think it's just a lot of lip service. And DC has consistently been resting on the laurels of Judd Winnick's work. Ooh! Tell me I'm wrong, though. Because if, if you lay out the GLAAD nominations and you look at that... DC dominated the GLAD nomination. Sometimes they were the only book. And, you know, they have done amazing transformative work with, you know, queer superheroes and queer characters and queer storytelling. And it's literally just fallen apart ever since. And the argument I make is that, you know, it's quantity over quality. DC typically has one or two gay character, you know, gay, I'm using gay as an umbrella, queer characters, at a time, but they're very well written. They're three-dimensional characters. They're really fleshed out. Marvel just kind of has a lot of two, you know, 2D queer characters across the spectrum. They're usually roommates or sidekicks or, you know, whatever. And and that's not, you know, they both have their ups and their downs. But I've noticed even with Future State, there was just really not much there. I think Jess was really the standout. And even then, just like other than than pronouns and in the press release, you literally like they named them after a, an existing comic book character, which is Jesse mm-hmm. Quick. And 
I think they were robbed, like they being Jess, I think they were robbed of the attention. Like, yeah, there's the article that came out from CBR yesterday that says, yes, Jess Quick has has a future. Like, they will be more existent in comics after this. But that A, one, that's... You oh, know what that article is that I asked Joshua Williamson in an interview about Jess Quick, and that's how that, that information came out. Really? Um, said, yeah, yeah, because I said, hey, we're going to see more Jess Quick. It. Yeah, and he and he said that like yeah, you know it's part of the plan, but it's gonna be way in the future. So even exactly. though like so it's gonna be not now. So I I asked on purpose because I was like, hey, this is important. We have a non-binary character. I can't think of any other non-binary characters in comics. I'm sure there are, but I can't think of any in 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 exactly. like my in the forefront. Like this is important, and they're they were really interesting. I really liked. The character and it's just like why aren't we getting them in more stuff and even going back to like the bisexual story i'm bi and you know i feel you, you don't need to you don't have to have wonder woman have a girlfriend but you have to talk no. about her queerness you know and like there's two different yeah. things it's like and a bisexual story is so important it's like okay nico from runaways is bi but like that's never no it, it's never talked about at all. It's like that her, not that she needs to label herself, but it's just like, oh, it'd be really nice to like talk about bisexuality in general. So just like, I agree. I think they, especially Harley. The reason too. why I'm hyped is because Mary is a runaway, runaways like fangirl. So like that's why I got <laughs> I hyped because I, I knew really this was am. gonna happen. Be, runaways fan night. She gets with Carolina and it's just kind of like, okay, let's see, you're not gonna, we're not gonna talk about this and the issues that you have had in the past, which is, okay, we're just going with it. Yeah. So, yeah. The awesome narrative there. Exactly. Oh, yeah. We just smacked it on the head there. So I think, I don't want to keep harping on this. I think that I will make a post about this after the the, the thing goes out saying that, like, I, I think Andy Curry has her place. I think similar to, like, even though I hate Damien with a fiery, burning passion, and I hate that Williamson is bringing him back, I Damien has his place, too. Jonathan has his place, too, when he's written competently. Um, Emiko, Wallace, you know, I hate Wallace to the dead, the dead of night. I hate him, too. But they have their place. They're supposed to be, like, the the young justice to Cassie, Bart, um, and Connor, and, and Tim's Teen Titans. They're supposed to be, or, like, the champions. They're supposed to be the champions to... Cassie, Bart, Connor, and uh, Tim's uh, Young Avengers. They are the next generation, but they're not there yet. And we can't even get decent stories with the third generation before we get to the fourth. And I feel as if there needs to be course correction. Otherwise, DC's going to keep having the same problem with who's next, who is the next person to take over the mantle, and it's going to keep being this mess like that Mary was talking about. And now it's to the point where not only... Like it's the same thing we have we we talked about before, where you have minorities fighting one another. You have the blacks slash gay conversation fighting against the woman, and it's gonna end up keep being a problem. And I hate it. So we're, we're gonna move on from that part of week four and uh, and talk about Suicide Squad really quickly, because Suicide Squad was my other favorite book of Future State, and I hate it. Like I, I as as a longtime Suicide Squad fan. I hate the concept, but I love the writing. What I mean is, there's this whole thing of what's coming in March of Amanda Waller grabbing Connor Kent by the by the scuff 
because somebody at DC doesn't still doesn't like Connor Kent despite Bendis bringing him back into canon. And it's like, you're coming with me to a different dimension and we're going to create a new Suicide Squad. And I'm like, wait, what? what? No, stop, stop. And it's just, like, it's a very interesting premise and it goes back to what the core of Suicide Squad was supposed to be even post-New 52 era because, yes, you had Deadshot and Harley, but the roster needs to revolve. The roster needs to explode. You need to see more people coming in and out. Versus the Rebirth run, which was like, hey, we have the movie team. Yay, we have the movie team. Yay! Which, which granted, the bestiality jokes with Enchantress and Croc were funny, but, like, we need more than that. And Suicide Squad was very enjoyable because it got back to the core of what things were, were supposed to be. So. I think, it, like, I, I forget who writes the Suicide Squad book. I hope they're on the book moving forward because the writing was very competent. What'd you say, Kat? Over March. Okay. So, like, as long as it keeps the same momentum as now, and it's like, if it keeps the same momentum and it, it keeps doing what it's doing and they're even using it as, like, a springboard for the crime syndicate, yes. I want more of this, but I'm also concerned. <laughs> um, I don't know if, like, if y'all read the Suicide Squad book and want to offer your opinions. I, it was honestly my second favorite of the entire Future State run so far. But I'm not a hardcore Suicide Squad fan. It takes me a lot to enjoy Suicide Squad, so I might be the wrong person to ask. That's fair. Um, Mary, did, like, did you enjoy the book at all? I never got around to reading it. Oh, it, it was, I still have about, you know, four books left, and I think it is the bottom book. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, like, it, def- it definitely has an interesting premise of, like, oh, Waller and Connor go to the fr- go to a different dimension and, like, grab a bunch of rogue Justice League members and, and make them be, like, their new Suicide Squad. It has a very interesting premise, and I, I really love it. Um, in terms of week four, there was the, like, the Batgirls book we already talked about. Bendis, I'm not giving you any, any curtain time. Um, I think the last one we could really, like, kind of mention is that people like Mark Russell and Jing Lun Yang continue to prove that they are really competent writers need more credit than they're deserved. Well, like, need more credit than they're getting. Like, they deserve more because the Batman and Superman book, even though I'm so tired of reading Clark and Bruce stories, Jing Lun Yang still writes really well and needs more credit than he's getting. I mean, I Absolutely, he has been dominating every book he has written. Like, I no. don't think I've read a bad book from him. No, I don't. I don't think I have. Like, I wasn't the biggest fan of the new Superman premise, but he made me like it. Like, mm-hmm. that says something about a writer. If you make me like something that I wasn't the biggest like, like I'm not the audience for that book, but you made me enjoy the book, and that says a lot. It's, it was the same thing with something like, um, G. Willow Wilson on Miss Marvel. I, this isn't for me, but you made me like the trade. And that's what I, I care about. And that's what he continuously does. Like, even something like uh, as simple as Batman and Superman saving people, you made competent. And I appreciate that. So, and is, as yeah. far as Russell is concerned, I will throw money at anything he writes. Scribbling something on a napkin, I will buy it. 
because yes, he is such a talented satirist. And I think that goes unappreciated oftentimes, but his satire is just golden. And Look I'm at talking like Flintstones, freaking Snagglepuss. Like he kills it consistently. Snagglepuss, uh, Wonder Twins. Like Death, Wonder Twins were gone. So such an underrated book from um, Ahoy that he's writing. Mm-hmm. Every issue is so good. It's such a good what? book. Second coming. Yeah, second coming. Yeah. So it's like I, I, I like I'm not like like and keep in mind I'm not the biggest Superman fan. Like I, I love him from an ideological standpoint. So like when you find something like how Tomasi and Jurgens have done with Superman, I'll read it. But then you you tell me, oh, Mark Russell's writing a satirical Lex Luthor and Superman book? Yeah, no, no, no. Like I, I will spend five copies. I'm like Patrick in the one meme where I was like, I'll take twenty. Like yeah, yes. Like he like Mark Russell has proved himself time and time again to me. Like, especially when DC Rebirth hooked off with Flintstones. And then as I was coming out, he ripped my own heart out with, with Snagglepuss. And that's why. One of the best comics I think I've ever read in general. Same. Same. So that's Future State Month 1. Y'all, uh, Travis, uh, since you've been reading in the background, would you want to give your overall thoughts first, sir? Um, I've only been reading the Gotham stuff, and I gotta say, I'm just getting angrier as I read. <laughs> it's, Speak on it. Uh, You've been quiet. Speak on it. Oh, it's the same thing. It's more of this Blade Runner, Magistrate, Watchdogs with the Bat Family, Cyberpunk 2077 shit that I'm just kind of... I'm just so not happy with it, just because I wanted... I wanted Tynan's vision for Gotham to happen, even despite Joker War and the the aftermath of that. But it's clear that DC doesn't want Gotham to grow in any manner that takes it away from the disgusting slum that Gotham as a whole is, even if it's technologically advanced this time around. Fair enough. All right. Um, I'm upset. (laughs) Thank you, Drake. Go film your next season of Degrassi. Um, (laughs) Quack. Oh, hey, don't come at me like that. He's back in the Robin suit, you horrible people. Um, You don't want to say Drake. That's rude. I was was making a reference to the the, the song. I'm upset. All right, whatever. Um, Kat, you are the guest. Uh, What are your overall thoughts on month one of DC Future State? said in the beginning there there were very few titles i i enjoyed i was mostly disappointed with a lot of them i will not be reading every issue too that is for sure i wanted to Ooh. give it an honest shot and and just see maybe there'd be a surprise hit there weren't many surprises for me um yeah it it's most of the books are pretty boring honestly uh there's some you know there's some solid ones in there but nothing that's gonna blow your mind that's fair that's fair um, Mary, would you like to give your honest thoughts of DC Future State? I think Future State's closest comparison is Convergence, particularly the tie-in books. And the amount of material and story that the Convergence tie-in books were able to do in two issues made me feel really positive about Future State going in, because, I mean, that's proof. Look, DC can do a lot in two issues. But I found myself excruciatingly underwhelmed by a lot of it. 
I mean, I, I'm with Travis. I'm sick of like the, you know, futuristic Gotham setting because it just, it, I don't know. It doesn't fit with Gotham. I like, by all means, do the crazy cyberpunk future stuff. But I think it needs to be more noir than futuristic, you know? Yeah. Um, the Wonder titles stood out to me um, because, and even then, they weren't weren't really quite what I was hoping for, but I still really enjoyed them, but super underwhelmed and honestly kind of disappointed. All right. Um, I think Mary... You, you you tagged yeah. it like you you sort of slapped it on the shoulder mid conversation, but I think I think the better co- like co- comparison than convergence is the like where you said the prisoner of X thing, the age of X Men, the like yeah. that whole that whole event that was a holdover until Tynan not not Tynan freaking Hickman's X Men that like that right there that entire little pocket event that's what Future State is. Where you have like a little bit of character development stuff that will hold over to the next, like into the next thing, but other than that, there is nothing here worth people's time, other than like a, a, a character or two. Like if you weren't invested in DC, what DC was doing before Future State, you're not gonna care after, and it breaks my heart because I like, like obviously we, we've 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 made jokes about it before. This comes off more like a DC podcast than a Marvel podcast, despite us trying to to put pwn in more Marvel stuff when we can. Like we care about DC books a lot, but at the same time, when even us, the diehard DC fans, are like, "Yo, who's driving the bus?" That is concerning. Like, yes, you brought in an Oscar-winning writer for... I, I didn't even talk about Green Lantern. And like, like, like that's going to be a whole other episode once the, the, the March run starts. Where I'm like, yo, I agree with Jeffrey Thorne that Hal Jordan is card, a cardboard cutout and needs to go back to being in the grave. But taking away their rings and just writing a, a, a freaking space opera is not something I was on board for. Like, Jeffrey Thorne, I want you to come on the show and explain that to me because I don't understand. Um, like, it was a great book, but that's not Green Lantern. I'm sorry. Like, it, it just, it didn't hit for me. But, like, and that's what the, all of DC Future State w- was, was great ideas when you hit me with the solicitations, but then you didn't do it enough. Like, yo, you know what Batgirl should have been? Cass and, and Stephanie in the future kicking ass and taking names the same way the Robin Internal book was. I didn't touch the Robin Internal book because that, in terms of like conversation, because that was the one book that felt like someone was told write a story about the magistrate and do a good job, and they did it and they did it competently. They even pulled a chick from We Are Robin into it and and acknowledged the past while continuing to do more stuff. That was the book that I was like, yo, whoever wrote that, you knew what you were doing and you did it right. The rest of these, it was like, either you had great ideas but didn't have enough time to do it, or you just rode off into the sunset on your own pitch and didn't and didn't arrive with the flow. Like, half the bus is going one way and the, the other half is, like, running out the back door. So, like, I, I, I love what you tried to do, but then, like, I bit into the cake and wasn't satisfied. Like, yeah. Something I want to add is that I think the real tragedy of Future State, if we look at it, is that, yeah, it's not worth people's time. You know, several of these books aren't worth people's time. But I think 
more importantly, it's not worth the money. And the fact that, you know, the sales for future state could very well affect the direction that DC goes. But it's just, and, and you know, I worked, I, I worked in comic book retail for several years and, you know, we do see, you know, these sales figures and, you know, when you're unpacking a thousand issues of a certain book, it hits different, but it's not worth the money. And that's what's really sad is that even with comic books, money talks. Yeah. That, that was a that was a great way to end that. Um folks, we will be back next week with a brand new episode. We're gonna get back into doing this weekly and getting into a good flow of things. Um Kat, I wanna thank you for coming back on. You you have proven once again that you know what you're talking about and you do it well, and I appreciate you being here. Really, really good time just chatting about comics as always. Most definitely, you get like like you want to shout anything out. I know you got something coming up that we're going to be like plugging on the website soon. So if you want to like give any everybody a tease, you are more than welcome to. Yeah, so, um, I'm hoping the end of February it depends on um, how fulfillment goes for like follow like daughter because obviously we're going to send those packages first. But I'm hoping uh, that's going to actually be wrapped. Uh, this week digitally and then like in three weeks they'll all be shipped out and then right after everything's shipped out and everyone gets uh, their packages for like fall like daughter we are launching our next kickstarter for my other book they call her dancer about a dancer slash assassin and when she was little she witnessed her parents dying and it's really a book of her about her dealing with the childhood trauma of that uh so that's going to be in color the first issue we are funding um on kickstarter um, all four four issues has been done for a while, so it'd be nice to for everyone to you know get all of the issues as we get these Kickstarters out. All right, sweet. Um, I'm glad that we can like we shout that out for you. Like we're definitely gonna be plugging it on the new and improved version of the website. We have new things that are coming out soon. When we get new podcasts going on, Blur Grounds will be returning soon. Living on the Edge just crossed our two year anniversary. We will be passing our two-year reboot anniversary, which is going to be really exciting soon, so I'm really hyped for that stuff. Um, for those who have asked um, where episode 50 is, it's lost. We don't know what happened to it. Um, I blame Ian. I think, I, th- I think he didn't want to hear us be drunken fools all night, but um, one day you will hear that uh, fantastic time we had. Um, Travis, what is your closing statement for this episode of Panel to Panel? Oh, DC's all new, all different hurts me in the soul. I feel like I gotta buy Travis a drink now. <laughs> uh, please? Cat, <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your closing statement for this episode of Panel to Panel? That way, we don't have to read more future state titles. <laughs> Ouch. Dang. I know, I know. I know. That was good. I like that. Um, Mary, in your closing statement, I want to know. I want to know what is on your mind. Honestly, I feel like I rambled more than usual tonight. So no, I, you're, you're I, your normal I, quota. You you did good. I, I hit my normal ra- ra- uh, rambling quota. Um, I don't know. I'm just disappointed. Like I'm looking forward to March. The solicitations seem positive for DC. I mean, we've got some cool things out of the gate but I've got everything crossed that it's not just going to flop. Fair enough. 
my closing statement, as always, is support your local comic book shop. I know during COVID-19 it is hard to do, but please make an effort. I know there's things like affiliate programs and whatnot that you can do to help your local comic book shop, so please make an attempt, um, because they, we want to see comics stay alive. Um, please, DC, do better, because we love what you've done in the past, and we want to see you do better. We want to see representation. We want to see diverse stories that matter. Um, Marvel, I'm coming for your head soon, so don't, don't you think you're, you're comfy? Because I, I have some words for you next week about this weird thing Jason Aaron is up to. So don't you worry. I'm coming for you next. Um, uh, we, well, don't forget, folks, that you, you can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher Radio, I'm saying Stitcher Podcast, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, YouTube, all those great places. Except for SoundCloud, we don't support SoundCloud. Um, I actually had some, it was funny, Mary. Someone asked me why we, we aren't on SoundCloud the other day, and I explained it to them. They were like, oh. That makes sense. I'm like, Did you Yo. tell them that we're not a sad boy rapper? Oh, <laughs> oh Jesus. Um, and you can follow this podcast on Twitter at, P- at PTP underscore podcast and check out the website on Comics Ground on Twitter and Instagram at on Comics Ground. We will catch you folks next time right here at Panel 2 Family. Peace.